0: Welcome back to Beards and Bands. It's episode 10. I'm Brian Williams here from the frozen tundra of northern Missouri.
1: And I'm Matt McCrory speaking from you
0: from eastern Missouri. Well, it's two below. You know, Matt, I'll tell you, there's a lot going on in the world right now. And if you listen to our last episode, you probably know that we're about as reliable a news source as out there. So what do you got going on, Matt? What's new in your world? I tell you what, we have been uh, in the fairing house. We
1: have been having some difficulty with parturition. Mm. Uh, my neck of the woods, I think in your neck of the woods too, uh, the discomforts of agricultural life are at an all-time high. However, <laughs> uh, you know, got about five sows to fare in the upcoming week. So hopefully we will be. Guns ablazing for that March pig sale called the Lucky Ones.
0: Hey, man!
1: I hear there is a new operator of that sale.
0: Can you tell you know, me? About that? We haven't talked about that, but uh, that's uh, uh, one of the new things. I guess I've I've taken on a little bit um, is the Lucky Ones pig sale there in Chillicothe. Uh, Becky Bowen had managed that one for several years now, I think since the inception of it. Mm -hmm. uh, Pretty neat little pig sale that goes on. Great facility to have it in and kind of centrally located, you know, for a lot of folks there in the Midwest. And and, uh, usually kind of coincides with the chosen ones pig sale that goes on there that same weekend. And so works out good for a lot of breeders and folks, I think, to come in and hit two sales in the same location the same weekend. And uh, so when Becky reached out to me to see if I'd be interested in taking over that uh, management of that sale, I thought I kind of waited up and I thought, you know, I think I can do that. I've got some ideas. We're going to try to make that thing kind of elite and round up about 120 of the best ones we can find um, to show off there the first weekend in March. So I'm kind of pumped about that.
1: Well, we always go to that thing and I think Becky's done a great job, but I'm looking forward to maybe doing a live episode or something from that deal. And I think that'd be pretty cool. And maybe get it out there. How many good ones are there? Cause I know there's some elite breeders and in years past, we've kind of put that thing online and had a chance for people to do the online bidding and things like that works out pretty well.
0: Yep. I'm excited, Matt. It's going to be a a fun year and, a neat little neat little deal for us to kind of jump in and be a part of. And and I'll tell you, I love the idea of a live episode at that particular function. I think we could have some fun doing that. Maybe grab some of those breeders. Oh man. They're, they're selling pigs and have them jump in and and talk to us a little bit about pigs and and kind of what not only what they've got at the sale, but just kind of what they do in terms of raising pigs and maybe even some of the boars that they get excited about. You know, you and I uh usually get pretty stoked to talk about boars.
1: Jonathan Triggs, I'm coming for you, man. You better hide it. that night, or you're gonna be finding yourself in a chair talking to pigs. That's right. Two banners.
0: You know, Matt, um, there's a lot going on. You know, sales season on the small species stuff, especially for summer state fairs, Midwest state fairs, and states like California. That's just around the corner, fact. I don't know if your social media feed's been blowing up, but mine already has started with, "Hey, we got sales coming up in January here. And everybody's releasing their sale schedules, and on top of that, my snap has been blowing up in the last couple of weeks, and especially this week, with folks on the road headed to the National Western Livestock Show in Denver, and a lot of those people were especially cattle folks, had just made the trek and spent some time in Oklahoma City at the Cattlemen's Congress, so it's a kind of a happening time no matter what species you're involved in. And uh, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about Denver and Oklahoma City as we get uh, further along in the episode and talk about who's your daddy a little bit. Um, But that's not all that's going on. I don't know about you, Matt, but uh, the polar vortex... Winter time has landed smack dab at my house. Um, got a little bit of snow the other day. Got a little more today. When I went out to do my last check in the barn here right before we started recording, uh, some of those drifts are getting pretty uh, pretty substantial. Forty mile an hour winds will do that. Yes, they will. And it made me realize a couple of things. Number one. I wish I lived somewhere else from the months of about November to April. But it would have to be further south. Nothing against Montana, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota. They're great states. I've been to those states. They are beautiful. People are great. Livestock's great. My hat's off to them. I have no idea how they get through a winter there.
1: I have no idea either. Uh, when I do they have okay. cattle that don't need water, because how is everything not freezing? I have no idea how they do it. I have a friend that is a Facebook friend that's a former student now, and she was putting the temperatures or the wind chills up, and mm-hmm. it was like negative 37 degrees up there. Yeah, yeah. Like, Which, how, how is that I, even? I think possible? we're in
0: for a little bit of that come the weekend here. Yes, I know. Well, the
1: Kansas City Chiefs, oh, buddy, the Miami Dolphins. Tomorrow, you know, buddy, it's supposed to be like a negative four wind chill. Oh, so, hopefully, those I, uh, I saw
0: today, you know, and obviously, we know Kansas City Chiefs tickets pretty popular item right now because ooh. a certain performer that's pretty high on Matt's list might be in attendance. And so, those tickets are getting harder and harder to come by. But I saw today because they are predicting negative 30 degree wind chills ooh.
1: Ooh. at
0: Arrowhead during the game. Um, and some of those tickets have gotten as low as $45. I kind of threw You're it kidding out there. Me. That maybe, maybe I could break out the old uh, hot hands, hand yeah. rules, find me a piece of cardboard to stand on them. Maybe I need to go to a Chiefs game. But I'm sure with our parturition schedule and luck that we've had thus far, I will probably up, be up to my elbows in afterbirth that day and not even get to watch the game.
1: So I have uh, a little Facebook following thing about Kansas City Chiefs, and they said what they can bring in tomorrow. Did you know that if you're going to the Chiefs game tomorrow, you can bring in a three-by-five-foot piece of cardboard?
0: I saw that. I saw that. And I can tell you, as somebody who's been to a couple of those real cold Chiefs games, You'd be silly not to, standing on that cold concrete. you think you
1: could put, bring that
0: Dura-Plate
1: in there from the fairing house and well, I don't know. wrap yourself around with it? Or
0: That stuff's so heavy. I, oh. I'd probably have a stroke before I got to the gate. Um,
1: maybe like carry it like a sled, put a rope
0: on it. No, there you go. Now, if I could find somebody that I could sit on it and somebody pull me on it like a sled, I'd do that.
1: Well, when but you leave that thing, you might have to have some.
0: I will tell you. If I took it in their stand on, I might have to abandon. Especially if the Chiefs game doesn't go well.
1: They were very nice and put out on their website how much uh, warm weather gear they're going to be selling that day. So uh, (laughs) that's very nice of them to offer. Probably cheap.
0: Probably really cheap. I think they downmarked
1: it like to one hundred and seventy dollars.
0: I would say I would expect. There's there's nothing really better than going to a Chiefs game and deciding that day that you want some Chiefs apparel. (laughs) that's (laughs) certainly the cheapest place to buy it
1: oh we we happen to have that here it's marked down you
0: you would like a jersey well step right up we've got those for just a little under um 275 dollars you could buy a uh you know about six doses of semen uh, to breed some sows for what a patrick mahomes jersey might cost you um you know a lot of the stuff that i've seen about the weather And people talking about, you know, memes and funny stuff and some actual like weather news. Surprisingly, Matt, I get that on TikTok. And I will tell you, and I don't know about how things function at your house or on your phone. I hate to admit this. I'm a little embarrassed, but I'm going to admit it. That TikTok... Spends a lot of time open on my phone. And I have found out I've done a little self reflecting. It's too cold, it's too snowy, it's too windy to really do anything else. I'm stuck at home trying to farrow out sows and keep pigs alive and haven't had a chance to get on the road and go to some of those shows like I like to go. And so I've done a little self reflecting and I've realized that TikTok matt has become a huge cultural influence in my life and i'm ashamed of that because i'm going to tell you about a little rabbit hole story that i went down that i may have scarred me it may have scarred me for life i don't know so we talk about songs we talk about playlists we talk about movies and stuff we stream right yes sir we're, I'd like to think that you and I for being old guys with a lot of gray in our beards. We're kind of hip. We've, uh, that's probably not the right word. Yeah, I think using that word
1: makes us Makes not us sad.
0: unhip. I yeah, realized so that so as it came thanks out. Thanks for of my- showing our two colors. That's true. We are, <laughs> we, I don't know if, I don't know if watching TikToks gives us the riz or not, but I feel like that's closer to what we should say. Anyway. So, how I find new music, or get interested in a let's say a, a TV show or a movie that's going to be streaming is usually that stuff comes across my TikTok feed mm-hmm. on my For You page. My For You page is very eclectic. There's a lot going on there. Okay, some of it mm, not interested in to scroll right past. Some of it, I'm like, oh, what's this about? I want to watch this animal nature show where a guy does funny voices. Then pretty soon, the next day, every third video is that guy with a funny voice. Well, maybe I'll follow him. Then all of a sudden, it's all nature stuff. Maybe I'll watch a hunting video. Then it's all hunting stuff. Maybe I'll watch somebody restoring a car. Then it's all about cars. Um, once in a while, I get on a, on a music kick. So I'm listening, and there's this song on here. that is not a new song. It's, it's actually like, I want to say it's like 10 or so years old. Mm-hmm. It's a song called murder on the dance floor okay doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like a happy song right doesn't that's not what you're like hey kind of got some moves kind of groovy type of a deal and you know me matt i'm kind of a sucker for sugary dumb pop songs right Mm -hmm. got a little beat dance around type of stuff kind of like those. so This song just keeps popping up. And the more it pops up, the more, oh, man, I kind of dig that song, kind of like it. I'm kind of grooving around. I was in there, you know, kind of watching TikToks, waiting in the barn. All of a sudden, I'm kind of grooving and moving. I'm like, you know, I just need to download this song. So I did. I'm like, I don't know. I wonder where this is from. And I get to looking. Because if you're like me, sometimes, you know, you end up going down a rabbit hole. And I did. So I'm looking through like what they've got a hashtag, like what is where is this from? Like, why is this song? There's gotta be a reason it it's popping up. It's like 10 years old. It's from a movie that's streaming on Amazon called Saltburn. Have you heard of the movie Saltburn, Matt? I have not.
1: Well, I'm not that uh that I would know that.
0: Well, here's what I'll tell
1: you.
0: Okay you don't need to watch it <laughs> what starts popping up after i kind of go through and dig a little bit is these reaction videos people watching this movie okay and it's like wives and they're they're filming their husband watching this movie and people watching it having reactions reaction video stuff which i usually don't get that in on but it, I'm not gonna lie, it piqued my curiosity a little bit. I'm like, what's going on here? So if you're old like me, you Google stuff. So I type it in. Didn't even know what it was streaming on at this point. Streamed Saltburg, what is it? It's a movie, it's on Amazon. Here's the I'm gonna give you a, a two-minute plot synopsis. These two young men are at a boarding school, one of them in England, I think at Oxford, one of them's real rich. Family has a big estate with a castle on it, come from generational wealth. The other one is poor, maybe comes from a troubled home, whatever. They get to be buddies, pretty good buddies. Okay. Now, let me stop here and say, here's our disclaimer. Almost everything I talk about has one. This is not a movie for kids. (laughs) Do not pop the popcorn gather around your preteen children, say, Hey, Brian Williams said, watch this Saltburn movie. And so we're going to watch it. It is not an educational video. It is not a video for kids. Also, I would tell you, I would, I'm a man. Okay. (laughs) Do you remember the video of Mike Gunny Douglas? I'm a man. I'm 40. Yep. Okay. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm, I'm not a kid. And I would struggle to sit in a room with my dad and watch this movie. Okay. (laughs) This is not one you should view with your parents, young adults in college.
1: Would it be one that you just stream alone if
0: you're going to watch it. I was ashamed. I was <laughs> I felt dirty. Mad. I had to shower after I watched it. Um, I had to. I, in fact, I had to. I'll come to that in a minute. I had to find another show. You know, when, when you're a kid, or if you're me and you're kind of a wuss, you still do it. You watch something that's a little too scary. You're like, oh, scare me! Don't get me. And then at the end, you're like, you know, maybe kind of put on a little Christmas vacation or something, get, get the mood different here. You know, I don't don't know. It may be too much. This was one of those instances. Like I had to go watch something kind of mind numbingly stupid and funny to kind of get me past this. I understand why their reaction videos. Anyway, the, the, the kid that's from the wrong side of the tracks. His, his dad passes away. He's struggling with it. And the kid that's got a lot of money invites him to come to their estate for the summer. Okay. Let me just say, and this is all I'm going to say, mischief ensues. Okay? There's a bathtub scene.
1: I think that's all you need to say. <laughs> so what would the Brian Williams reaction video would have been to that bathroom scene?
0: Well, this is a PG-13 rated podcast, so I can't really tell you the words that came out of my mouth
1: is it uh, wasn't oh my
0: lordy it was something like what am i watching for beep 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 sake i can't believe this <laughs> beep, 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 beep 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 is going on right now okay did you cover your eyes i wish i would have um there's <laughs> another scene that takes place in, in in the garden with the the kid that has the estate And the buddy, the sister's involved. There's some other scenes. I'll just spoil it for you. If if you haven't watched this movie, I'm going to save you the trouble. (laughs) The kid is kind of doing some things that comes to stay with him. He's got kind of nefarious, ulterior motives. Everybody in the family ends up dying in this movie, except the kid who is from the wrong side of the tracks, and he inherits this estate. And you kind of find out at the end that maybe, just maybe, that was part of his plan all along. He's not a nice person. Nobody in this movie is a nice person. There's no uplifting message. And at the end of the movie is where this song happens that I was so pumped about. And it is a two and a half minute interpretive dance that this young man does. Full naked.
1: Oh, oh man!
0: To this song that I'd been dancing around to in the hog barn <laughs> all week, man, this thing—I ah, groovy. Were you, were you, good, close? Were you huh? close? Were you close? I would, most all the time. Um,
1: <laughs> what is the song? Oh, the it's the, the song, murder on the dance floor. Murder song. on the dance okay. floor.
0: Yep. But that's my warning to you, folks. um you find a song that you kind of want to shake your hips to and scoop mm-hmm. a little poop. You kind of snapping your fingers and you're like, mm, I like this. And the next thing you know, you're on your recliner chair watching some dude dance around with no underpants on. <laughs> and you have to ask yourself, how'd I get here? How'd I get here? TikTok's how I got there. That's the, that's what, that's what got me. To this. TikTok. Maybe
1: you need some time away from TikTok.
0: I can't, I want to, I can't.
1: <laughs> well, two things come to mind that since you gave away the end of that movie what happens in <laughs> the end of sixth sense <laughs> <laughs> the reason i say i can that.
0: tell you six the sixth sense was a more uplifting inspirational movie oh my than goodness I just watched. so
1: um, i was a i think i was a sophomore in high, a college no i was probably a freshman in college and that thing comes out, and and realistically, remember that thing came out, and everybody was kind of quiet about mm-hmm. the thing because people didn't want to ruin it for everybody else.
0: No, no I had no idea going in to see no, it Me, what was going
1: on? And I'm watching it, and you know, back in the day, we used to rent videos. And what would happen with movies is somebody would rent it, and then would go from in the fraternity house, would go from room to room to room to room to room, to room and yeah. the, whoever rented it would have to go find the movie to take it back to take it back like you would literally there's 28 rooms in the house you would just have to <laughs> go to all of them hey do you got this movie because i need to take it back tomorrow well anyway we're all watching is about is about 12 guys in a room it was like on a tuesday night like late and the guy walks in he's a senior andrew popwell andrew popwell has a has a knack for uh bursting people's bubbles let's just say that <laughs> He walks in, and he says, "You know he's dead, right?" <laughs> and
0: we're like, "What?" <laughs> what? <laughs>
1: thanks, Andrew. Well, thanks.
0: That just saved me quite a bit of time watching. Yeah. It's so, like, we were like, we were halfway
1: through, so we were like truly invested. And then we we're like, "You son of a gun!" Like, oh well, you know. But the other thing it reminds me of is your TikTok videos. I had two TikTok videos that came up this week that (sighs) reminded me of some fun songs. So I have two songs for you because I don't know how mid-80s stuff comes along, but my dad and my mom were 80s rock fans. Mm -hmm. And two of the songs that came on that I loved, that I Downloaded because I was like, man, that's just so good. Heat of the moment by Asia. Oh
0: yeah, hear
1: that? Yeah. Heat of the moment.
0: Oh yeah, man,
1: yeah. you know, does that just take you back to nineteen eighty eight? Like oh. there were, you know, if you saw an like, big rock hair, z, uh rock, rock z sports car in the parking lot, you're like, oh, oh yeah. yeah,
0: look at that thing. Like that's acid so cool. wash jeans, big yeah, hair.
1: Yeah, that that hairspray was just. Smelling oh. up the hallways of the high schools. and Oh, man. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but uh, girls would tease I, their
0: bangs way up. Yes. Remember that? And, and they were you like, you know what?
1: I, people might say that I'm wrong here, but I hope that that comes back.
0: You know, the mullet was kind of popular then and it's it was it back. I have no idea why they weren't cool or cool looking when they were cool. I don't yep. know why they re entered our atmosphere here a little bit.
1: Yep. Okay. My other one that I heard this week that there's something about this song that man, it hits me every time, and I just have to like turn it up. The outfield, your love. Oh that yeah, I just want to use your band. Oh, Woo! and it and it's and they're both songs that are kind of echoey, you yeah. know, like and it's just kind of like a you're just in an '80s time warp.
0: Back Wait a minute, then, is that the
1: Josie's on a vacation. Yeah. Oh way. Yep. Oh man, it (laughs) it sounds like they're in a tunnel or something. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So oh man, that
0: just—I don't know who Josie was, but I was always intrigued by that.
1: I was too. Like kind of like Jesse. That whoever Jesse, Jesse's girl. Yeah. Yeah. Like he must have. He must have had a good-looking girlfriend, and he Mm -hmm. must have some risk because if he had a guy. So infatuated with that girl that they had to write a song about her.
0: Well, Jesse must that about, guy, that's probably the first time I really remember somebody really not adhering to the bro code very good. Like yeah. this dude, like Jesse's supposed to be his friend. He's not worried about Jesse. He's worried about no. Jesse's girl.
1: Hmm, That's that's a no-no. You know, uh, you know, we had a saying in college, uh, bros before something that rhymes with does snows snows rose before snows um which is really fitting this week um and anyway that was our saying and most people abided by it when they could they
0: were making sound cognitive kind of a faux reasoning. pas that's kind of a yeah it's a good way to not have a lot of friends anymore
1: yeah a coup d'etat of sorts yeah, a little bit the, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fraternity life yeah i
0: remember maybe in high school uh being involved in one of those situations um, mm-hmm. And I and I want to say, well, I'll, I'll put it this way: um, Jesse and I were not friends much longer mm. after that particular incident.
1: You know, sometimes uh, Jesse doesn't deserve her. Well, that's what well, that was my opinion. Yeah. Uh, hey, you don't
0: deserve her. I deserve her. That's right.
1: That's the way it should go. And... But
0: I will say, I at that point in my life, I probably wasn't full Riz, but. Yeah, you know, we're talking about we're talking about 80s here. And I've got a confession to make, Matt. I was making fun of mullets, which is only okay to do if at one point in your life you rocked a mullet. Mm-hmm. In I, second grade, I rocked a really good one. I in junior high, I can tell you. Junior high was kind of that late 80s, 80, I don't know what it would have been, late 80s, mid to late 80s. And there was a football player. Some of you aren't going to have any idea who I'm talking about. Some of you will. There was a football player that I thought was just the awesomest football player in the history of football players, played for the University of Oklahoma, named Brian Bosworth, the Bonds. Yep. Okay. Was and he I a linebacker? He was a linebacker and a darn good one in college. Now, he was uh, having a little chemical help, I think, in college, and when he got to the NFL, it may have failed him a little bit. And how people Was he don't taking like he some tech. dexamethasone? He must have been on something. I don't know what it was. Um The biggest, his biggest claim to fame, unfortunately, now, because he was an All American and like Butkus Award winner in college and was awesome. He got in trouble for steroid abuse in college and had to set out a bowl game. And then he got in trouble with the NCAA because he wore a t shirt that wasn't very appropriate and said some not so nice things about the NCAA. And so he went in the draft, played for the Seattle Seahawks. And his big claim to fame, uh, and they've done, you know, stories about it um, and all that kind of stuff is that on Monday night football, he'd kind of been talking a little smack on Bo Jackson. I can't think of a worse possible person to say, eh, I'm probably going to truck this dude. Um, than Bo Jackson, um, who's probably also kids. We're going to stop right here. If you don't know who Bo Jackson is, first of all, find something to hit yourself about the head and shoulders with for a good solid minute. We'll wait. Secondly, Go immediately and look up Bo Jackson highlights. Single greatest athlete I've ever seen or heard about. Did things that made him look superhuman. Mm -hmm. Um, I was at a ball game in Kansas City watching the Royals with my grandparents and watched that man break a baseball bat over his head. And he didn't slam it down. He put the bat on his helmet and pulled down and snapped it in half. And I've never... I immediately tried it when I got home, mm-hmm. and after I woke back up, and they took me for a concussion, <clears throat> realized that that is not something the average man does.
1: Yes. So but- I had, in high school, I had a guy that gave me a wooden bat just to see, and he bet me twenty <clears throat> bucks if I could break it over my knee. Yep. And it was a forty-five dollar wooden bat, and I was like, okay, whatever. Like we were just kind of being stupid. And I will tell you that I
0: bruised my. Mm. Uh, it does not go like you think it's going to go. No, like, oh, um, it's going to break it in half. Nope, it doesn't. So. But Brian Bosworth's big claim to fame was that he got ran over by Bo Jackson on Monday Night Football. And it was at that point kind of the, he had he was outspoken, a big personality, kind of, he would have fit in great today with, with TikTok, with all the social media, like he'd have been everybody's favorite bad guy um but back then that wasn't really how the game was played and he was ahead of his time and people didn't like him very good but if you know anything about the boss he had a very specific haircut spiked up on top long kind of mullet in the back shaved on the sides like down tight and then he had like lines or he put his number in and boy i can tell you um and i don't know why my parents let me do it my mom was a beautician for goodness sakes when I was, I was say in the eighth grade playing football, I had the Boz haircut, spiked on top, shaved on side, had the lines in it. It was tight, man, had the lines put in there. And I had lines on this side, on like my left side, I had like three lines on the side. And then on my right side, I had a lightning bolt over here. And oh, then man. I had the mullet with a blonde streak dyed down the middle. What it really looked like is
1: in fear of you when you walked on that football field.
0: Well, I was about five foot, nothing, and a hundred and nothing. So I don't think anybody was scared of me, but I can tell you, I had the hair. I had a big old huge neck roll bigger than my shoulder pads. I had a visor that was tinted. Oh, I looked like I should have been playing something Um, except for the fact that it looked like, as an eighth grader, I should have been playing about second grade in football. <laughs> um, that was the problem. But I digress. I get it. You think mullets are cool. Let me tell you, older you is never going to look back at them pictures and go, oh, man, look how good I look. Look how good Like the I wrong, am. wrong burgundy. Everyone come in here. Look how, look how good I look. No, <laughs> no, you don't. There's some styles that are meant to never come back, and that's one of them.
1: You know, I had a, in college. I had like not a mullet; it was like seven inch hair all over, just mm. flowing. And I'll, I'll look back there and like, man, kids, look how good I look. My son's like, hey, look how good I look. That's not you, Dad, right? <laughs> yeah, you it is. Yes. No, nope, that's not you, Dad. I'm like, yes,
0: it is. When <laughs> I was teaching Matt every year, I would uh, <laughs> I would get my last haircut trim my beard, usually down tight, kind of scruff. Obviously, I haven't done that in a while. And I would get my last haircut and cut my beard down short before we went to National Convention. And then I would not shave or cut my hair again until March 1st. So I'd have a good four, maybe five months worth of growth there, depending on kind of how energetic I'd been getting that haircut. And I quit doing that. I did it for a lot of years, and here's what I realized. It just made me look that much more like alan from the hangover and yeah. it's really hard to take anybody serious when they look like alan from the hangover with his satchel and his bag of skittles and that kind of stuff and so i kind of quit realizing just sort of kind of like that mullet deal you look back and you go that's not a very good look like it's uh, just i think i remember
1: work. you with that yeah. big
0: old scruff and that haircut and i don't know man
1: i i prefer the gray and the, the i'm hat trying to
0: be a little more refined in my older age. Um I need a haircut before I go judge a few shows here this month. I need to cut my hair a little bit and look like a human being again. Um, you know, the other show that I found to watch, which I immediately binge watched to cleanse my palate, was a show called tacoma f d Tacoma fire department and 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 I'll be the first one to tell you. it is the dumbest, most low brow just dumb low common denominator comedy about a fire department in Tacoma, Washington and it's made by the guys that do Super Troopers. Yep. And it's got a couple of those guys Farva from Super Troopers is in. It. He plays the he plays the station chief. And uh and I can tell you, I was like, "Well, I'll watch a couple of these episodes. It'll be dumb enough I'll forget about this this other deal." I ended up binge watching all four seasons and was pretty sad when it was over. I'm like, when's new seasons come? Like I've been now I've been in Google. Like when are they going to make more of these shows? I'm like, I'm kind of weighing on this thing. Didn't have a catchy song to dance around in the barn to though. I'll say that.
1: The other day I saw one that spoke to me. It was about Mr. D. It's a Canadian show. That's about a teacher and he's the Ooh. worst teacher of all time.
0: <laughs> he's, hey, he's, this is speaking to me.
1: He's in a bar. And he's, he's what they call marking papers, grading papers. Mm -hmm. And it's closing time. And the bartender's like, Hey, you gotta leave. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm grading these papers. And he's like, well, can I help you to get you out of here? Kind of a deal, you know? And he's like, so, and he's just telling them how how he does it. And he says, well, where's your, where's your answer key? Well, I use the smartest kid. She probably has more answers than I do. (laughs) And then like, they're talking about grading them. And they're like, they're like, A kid, see, this kid right here, like, he hasn't passed anything all year. And they're like, well, you should give him a D. He's like, that's right. And I'll mark, great job. It's about time. Keep this up. He says, (laughs) and this girl here, I don't like her at all. So I'm going to just put a lot of red lines in there, mark it up, mark it up, mark it up. And I'm going to put, like, you have got to do better. Seriously, all these different things. (laughs) And I, oh my gosh, I could not stop laughing. And I've been to a couple of episodes of that. And unfortunately, the TikTok video was the best part of the whole show.
0: <laughs> that does happen too. Unfortunately, sometimes the the the, the sixty second clip on TikTok yeah, is the only funny part of the whole deal.
1: Well, you're speaking my language when you talk dumb movies because I have spent way too much time in my life watching Joe Dirt and Jane's Silent Bob. So
0: I, I will tell you, like I'm, a, I just thought of this the other day, and I hadn't watched it in a while. I'm a sucker for Anchorman. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a sucker for Anchorman, and, uh, and and now the second one maybe not as good, but boy, the original mm-hmm. Anchorman it was like nothing I'd ever seen. <clears throat> Anchorman, Step Brothers, Old School. There's a bunch of those that I love, that are so quotable. That were TikTok and memes before TikTok and memes mm-hmm. were a thing. Man, you just literally yell out an anchorman quote, and fifty people would chime in and know what you're talking. Mm-hmm. about. That's kind of am- like The Office now, kids. Oh yeah, the Office. Kids is, love The Office. It is great. It's a. It's you know, a I have win. never watched The Office. I've never watched it.
1: Really, it is funny. Yeah, it's one of those things I think it takes a unique taste, and I think that you really have to work to like it. I mm-hmm. think after the first few episodes, you got to kind of work to like it, but like it has some things that are just their openings were so good. Like their open the first you know five minutes before like the cast was presented, like it was real good, and I don't know, pretty, pretty neat stuff, but. Hey, last week we were talking about some stuff in our top ten list, which was well received by the public. But streaming at the same time, we had a little faux pas in the editing, and it is what I would say, my bad. And basically, about five minutes got cut off where we went from talking about one thing to ten yeah. cap in the middle. Of yeah, yeah. Day. But basically, the gist of it is, Brian, your favorite stream show of 2023 that you watched was?
0: Yellowstone. Yes, And I sir. don't remember what item on that list. I know it's about 20, 22 minutes into the episode. And, and I know when we listened to it, we kind of went, wait a minute. We were just talking about National Livestock shows, and we skipped a number. Now we're talking about Kevin Costner golfing in 10 cap. Like, what, what's going on here? what we had done is is one of the items on our list was what's your number one stream what what is your show that you've streamed the most this year and so that got us talking a little bit about yellowstone and uh, and you know and i talk about that all the time i wish my tastes were more refined i wish i was more culturally expanded but man i'm kind of a sucker for yellowstone too i love that show and we talked about some of the different seasons and one of the things we agreed on was that Kevin Costner is pretty high on our list in terms of actors that we, we usually kind of gravitate to, kind of their stuff or their movies and and so we had to talking about our Kevin Costner favorites, and we're talking about stuff like Major League or not Major League but Bull Durham and and uh, Dances with Wolves and all the awesome movies he's been in, and we got for to talk love of the game for <laughs> love of the game, and I think that, that part is did stay in maybe for love oh, of the game. great movie baseball movie and it's awesome I, I that's one of those matt if i come in and eat lunch or at night i'm flipping through the channels and it's on i'm not getting back out of my like i'm finishing mm-hmm. that movie. i love that movie but we got talking about 10 cup and uh and so it picks up right in the middle of <clears throat> talking about 10 cup and kevin costner we promise That was just a mess up on our part. It sounds pretty incoherent. Hey, if it makes you feel better, we had a great time talking about Yellowstone. Brought Mm -hmm. up a bunch of cool stuff about it that we're not going to rehash right now. But we enjoyed ourselves. And at the end of the day, I guess that's all that matters. Yes, sir. Well, one thing
1: I don't want to miss out on today is on my Facebook feed this week, I came along a little dandy from Judging Pro. And we're talking about how the collegiate judging season is just getting started. People are in Denver right now doing their thing. And, you know, I'm getting ready to fire up a team here in a couple weeks and start cranking in on them and see if we can do some damage this year at the Missouri contests. And, you know, one of the best things that I think you've ever put on there came twice this week but one of them was the judging tips Mm
0: -hmm. my man
1: judging pro i cannot recommend it enough for you high school teachers you young kids trying to get into the livestock deal or trying to have a home run season this year judging and but also has dairy cattle things, has horse steals, has a lot of meats content and everything. But we all make little silly mistakes and overthink things a lot of times when we're judging in contests. And you have kind of a, hey, let's keep it simple. These are some things that you should think of. Hey, what did Judging Pro put out this week?
0: Well, Matt, I appreciate the shout out. I, I do. The, the social media part of what we do, you know, I'll be honest with you, it doesn't really, we're doing that just to throw it out there. Just stuff that, you know, stuff that I did when I was training teams, stuff that I would tell kids, maybe some fun stuff and memes once in a while, maybe a little inspiration here and there. But a lot of that stuff's just, just stuff. It's not necessarily, um, stuff that we're trying to promote, what we do or anything. It's just, we're just throwing it out there for folks to use. The thing that I think is cool is that sometimes people do use that stuff. And the deal you're talking about, Matt, is a a post we put up this week, I think on Wednesday, maybe this past Wednesday. And it's basically just a graphic and it says keys to low drop evaluation. Because that's, and and some of these are going to sound goofy, we're going to talk about them a little bit, but, Every year, like you, I would start a new team. In Missouri, have to start a new team every year. We don't get to rerun anybody. It's a one-shot deal. So every year, you'd end up with four kids or six kids or whatever you started with that had no real livestock judging background. They were doing it for the first time. And say so they had to start pretty much ground level. And one of the things that I would ride on the board every year, because my, my, if you know me, I was a big write on the whiteboard guy. I loved writing on the marker board, drawing pictures, writing stuff down. And kids would take notes, or at least they were supposed to. And this this list of things are things that I've figured out or kind of helped me or helped me help kids or things that I robbed from somebody else that I'd heard over the years. And I love this list because it tells you, and people are going to disagree with me here, I'm a big believer that great livestock evaluators are great because they keep things very simple. Yes, sir. And, and they see the big picture and they keep things very basic and logical and and they're not sorting a class based on which one has the smallest left inside hind toe. I'm not saying there aren't traits, individual things that aren't important that don't weigh in on how we place them, but man, don't beat a good one because her toes not exactly perfect. And that's what we run into sometimes with kids getting confused. We get to a point as livestock coaches or livestock folks where we know enough that we're trying to feed those kids all that information we've gleaned over the years and we throw out so much white noise and so much just stuff. Kids can't sort through it and then all of a sudden they're doing dumb things and they're dropping a lot of points. And so I was a big, I'll be honest with you, Matt, and you probably know this. We've talked about it before. As a livestock judging coach, I was never a guy that said, we've got to win the contest placing livestock. My theory always was, we've got to be low drop enough that we're staying in the hunt so that we can win it in the reasons room. Yep. That was always our theory. Now, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But I was big a a big proponent of low drop evaluation not no drop evaluation because i I think if you train if you train for no drop evaluation i'm gonna 50 every class boy talk about a recipe for disaster it is Uh, and i always told kids when we had a practice we'd go out and we might look at six or eight let's say six or eight guilt classes somewhere we might look at four or five fat steer classes at a feedlot those classes that you know everybody gets them right uh, everybody 50 that one. Great. Pat yourself on the back. Don't break your arm doing it. Because you didn't learn anything from that class. That's warm and fuzzy. That's going to make you smile when we go stop and get ice cream here in a little bit. This class that everybody busted, that's going to be a class we learned something on. Yep. And while I don't want kids to bust classes, I'd a lot rather than doing a practice. For sure. I can maybe write the ship a little bit and teach them a lesson versus. Hey, everybody! Fifties everything in practice. Yeah. Why are we Why are we out eighty nine points at a contest? So every to try to head that off, we'd have this list, and and this list has got some things on it. We're just going to go through them one by one, I guess. And the first one on the list is know what you know and know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Sounds pretty dumb. And what that really, what I would tell kids is what that really means is when you step into a contest, whether you're no matter what you're evaluating. What, whatever that particular class is, what do we know is important in that particular? If we're judging heifers, what is important in heifers? If we're judging market hogs, what is important in market hogs? Okay. The second thing, part of that is what am I given here? Are these real high quality ones? Are they all pretty moderate to bad ones? Mm-hmm. Do they all have muscle or is muscle the deciding factor? Are they all good skeleton or good enough skeleton or a skeleton? Know what you know. <clears throat> then know what you don't know. Okay. I don't know how these things are going to grow necessarily. I don't know. So a lot of times the genetics on them, I may not know the breeding on them. And I don't know. Maybe as a kid. The. All the ins and outs of sorting them on rear leg or hock placement or joint angle. So if I don't know that well enough, I'm probably not going to start there. Mm -hmm. And I'm probably not going to put a lot of weight in that basket because I don't know it well enough. Sort them on what you know. Sort them on what you can sort them on. Okay? The second one, this is maybe one of my favorites, don't lose the forest for the trees. And that's what we just talked about a minute ago. If she's the best animal in the pen, don't beat her. I don't care if she's perfect. I don't care if she's the best one we've ever seen. I don't care. And this we'll get, we'll get to this one in a minute. I don't care if she's the one that you would take home and build around. No, that matters to me. That's not our job. Our job is to find the best one and find the worst ones. Don't beat a good one in a, in a class because she doesn't have the kind of neck you like don't beat a good one. Don't, don't beat a good gilt because she's a little droopy ear. if she's the best gilt. Don't beat a steer that is the best steer just because he's not perfect on his rear pasture. If he's still acceptable there and he's the best one, it's all about, in my mind, coming up with the sum totals and finding the contest sure. And don't lose the force for the trees when you do it. The next one's m- maybe my all-time favorite. Okay. And this is where you can let a lot of stuff go because Matt very seldom, and I know you're a little bit in that boat, very seldom did the kids on my livestock team have much actual livestock experience. And if they did, it probably wasn't a lot of show ring experience. Mm -hmm. They didn't have an opinion. Okay. And that actually helped me as a coach because they just knew what what I told them. They didn't, they didn't say, well, we don't raise those kind of heifers because they blah, 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 blah. Why don't like that type of bear? Because the one I fed, blah, blah, blah. They don't have an opinion.
1: The hardest kids to train are the kids that have livestock at home that are production animals that Grandpa has told from day one this is the only way to do mm-hmm. it. Yep, and this Grandpa says these are the
0: only cattle that make money,
1: and the and and they're not wrong. No,
0: sometimes. but I that's understand. not our job that day
1: that's not your job that day. Your job is to evaluate. That's right. The easiest kids, uh, if kids are used to showing good livestock, boy, it's nice to just mold them a little bit mm-hmm. and just work on their reasons. To talk. Yep. But the, I, I I'm a sucker for kids. that don't know anything. If you can listen, if you have the ability and this goes to all young people to just be humble, yeah. listen, Know what you don't know and try to learn what you don't. Man, you can be a rock star fast if you're smart and you listen. That's right. I love those kids. If they can Mm -hmm. do those things, it makes it a lot of fun. Those are my most fun teams. Yeah,
0: mine too. Which leads us to that particular line on that list. Don't feed them. Don't breed them. Just sort them. That's what you're there for that day. You're not buying them to take them home. You're not anticipating if I was feeding that bear, I could blow him up. Yeah. Man, that goat, if I was on the clippers on that goat and he had a little different fit job, Um, nope, don't care. Don't care, not our job. Sort them, just sort them. Play the hand you're dealt, sort them. You're not going to get yourself in a bind doing that. The next three, I'm kind of going to go together because I think they go together. And then we'll talk about them individually a little bit. Don't outsmart yourself. Don't outguess the officials and see the big picture. Okay. I couldn't agree with you more. Kids. And this is not the kids that just start. These are kids have been doing it a while. Yep. They start to get their up back. Do this all the time. Oh yeah. Collegiate kids. This is, if you're a college judger, write that part down. Two things. Don't outsmart yourself. Don't outguess the officials. Neither of them ever work. Okay. Yep.
1: You might see. Oh man, these guys are. They must be on the committee. That's oh, right. I think I've watched him. Show- he does I've this? Watched him he judge likes him some before. He's oh, yeah. got like these. So I'm going to do this. Heck yeah! Guys, it doesn't matter. Williams In on the committee, and contest. he likes some
0: big and massive and bold yep. man. Blah 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 blah. The other thing is this. I'm not calling anybody out here, but if. If you're judging at a big national show, big national contest, let's say it's Kansas City. Let's say it's Louisville. Whatever. Don't be going through and checking social media. Well, that bear won. Yeah. For him. Those aren't in the contest, kids. They're not in the contest. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just happen to know that if you're in Kansas City and a Calico bear wins the whole thing, I'm probably going to find three or four Calico bearers for you. None of them won the contest or none of them won the show, but there might be three or four Calicos in there for you to find. Maybe they go first. Maybe they don't. I'm more about let's sort them. Let's sort them. Let's not try to trick anybody as an official, as somebody putting the classes together. And certainly that leads me to, as a contestant, let's not try to get a quick, quick and dirty. Oh, well, Calico one, I'm going to use Calico. Boy, tell me how that works out next time. Um, don't outsmart yourself, though. And this goes out specifically to the college kids, that one in the official deal, because those kids have got enough knowledge kind of jammed in that jar that those are the times where you really end up big and with a big slide on a class, because I know this one's good. But this other one's got this one giant piece that I know is real popular. Man, look at her toe spread and blah, 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 blah. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Who cares? Is she the best one in the class? Or does she just have a couple big time pieces that Mm -hmm. make it kind of neat to talk about her being third? Mm -hmm. That's probably where she goes. Okay, The one that maybe doesn't get you over the moon excited, but has every piece you're looking for is probably the contest animal. In fact, very seldom does the freak win unless the freak is set up to win and yep. they're a freak and have all those big time pieces.
1: And I'm going to say two things about that. Cause I really like that a lot. The first thing is this nine times out of 10, your first impression is generally right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why talk yourself out of something you've oh. decided upon. Oh it, man. It makes no sense. No. If you're dating a, a woman that you think, boy, I don't really like this girl. Why go on a third date with her? Right. Like, yeah. What? why does it why would you do that? Why would you do that with a with a market hog class or a breeding guilt class or a uh U you class? I don't mm-hmm. know why you would do that. Find the one you like, find the one that you don't like, because sometimes they're put there for a reason. That's I'm right. I was gonna say this, and this is kind of a shout out and a call out to some committees. I've been on a lot of committees and judging contests. I know you have to sometimes committee members overthink things oh oh yeah way too much yep and i am shocked sometimes when i go on these committees and i look at these things and in about a minute and a half i'll think i think that's all i'm gonna do i walk around double check and i'm kind of ready you know how i am adhd and i i've got that thing done with in three minutes the easy classes because i don't want I don't want to overguess myself because it yep. makes no sense. Dig in on the hard classes. If it's easy, get it done. Double check
0: you marked it right. Don't throw a gift in the dirt. Don't throw no.
1: But people will find things. Mm-hmm. And what I what I, my biggest pet peeve is this: good ones come in all shapes and sizes. Ones. Good ones do not come average no good ones do not come plain jane with good skeleton no you yes that one has a good skeleton yes that one can probably walk all day yep that one could also fit underneath the legs of this one right here and and good thing that we have sideways um bars on the on this or this one would fit through the gate you know i'm we have to see the big picture here. We have to have some animals with a little bit oomph, with some design, with some practicality, but at the same time, let's just not go with the, just the plain Jane one that doesn't have a, any piece at
0: all. And and I will tell you, and you brought up a good point, almost always when that happens, whether it's a kid doing it or, or a committee, and we can have a whole episode probably just talking about the dynamics by which committees land on a placing. Sometimes it's very, very good. Sometimes it's not as good as I wish it was, but it almost always revolves around skeleton and their read versus another committee uh-huh. or a kid's read versus the committee's read. And here's the most common deal that I see when things tend to go astray, because while i we're gearing this towards, you know, how to kind of have low drop evaluation. And that just means we've said that a lot. For those of you who don't understand what that is, because we've done this in other episodes, we get to talk in kind of inside jargon that maybe if you're outside of that circle, you don't understand. Every class is worth 50 points. Okay. Every time you place an animal differently in a different spot, you rank them differently than the official. It's going to cost you some points out of that 50. Thus, you drop some points. Okay.
1: The perfect score is a 50. And if you drop two or so a close pair mm-hmm. might, or a pair switch on a close pair, I mean, might be minus one, minus two, an easier pair that the committee thinks that they should have gotten. might this be This one five, six, is awesome and cut. should
0: have started and everybody yep. should have seen that or this one's atrocious and has to go last. Those cuts or those points that are deducted are going to be much bigger. Okay. Mm -hmm. The total cuts can add up to more than 15 or you could potentially get a negative score. So there common cuts would be like three, five, and two or four, four, and three or something like that. So that when we talk about cuts and drop, that's what we're talking about. And this whole theory is based around things that you can do just little mental tricks to convince your scumbag brain to stay away from those big cuts and those big drops where it essentially takes you out of contention. Typically, you know, and, and that's what this is all about. Stay alive, stay competitive, stay in the hunt. It's, and through basically, for lack of a better word, if you can, it then you can talk well. If you can do that and you can stay alive, you're going to have some success, if nothing more than by attrition, because you're going to roll up your sleeves, grab your lunch pail, do the things that are simple and basic and, logical and other teams that are going to throw a Hail Mary or try to hit home runs or hero judge. Don't get in their way when they're doing that. Okay. If you're coaching a team, don't get in their way. Let them make those mistakes because you're going to win the war of attrition over time a little bit. Um, Don't get me wrong. Sometimes officiating. I've seen committees do it. I've helped with contests where I've watched committees do it. I've sadly enough, been a part of committees that have done it get out on a limb and see things so differently that everybody takes a hit on that class guess what that's a wash doesn't matter we Mm -hmm. all get frustrated about that as a coach typically that is a wash um see the big picture hopefully that's what committees do hopefully it's what kids do you know we were circling and i don't know i finished my statement but where I was going with that deal is almost always when I'm a part of a committee that gets, let's say, maybe a little disagreeable or heated, even sometimes. And I've seen committees get heated. People get mad at one another. It's mm-hmm. usually over this. It's somebody that goes, You've got a committee, and pretty much everybody in the committee or a big chunk of the committee goes, Man, that three heifer is special. She is big. She is bold. She is cool neck. She's awesome in her top line. She's awesome in her rib cage. She's presented top shelf she's awesome anybody not start with her and one person goes did you see every third stride her Mm -hmm. left rear she wants to hang that hawk and she doesn't push with as much authority and I don't like her toe spread and ones like that tend to not last very long in my bar and I always stop them if I can and say hey hold on if it took you that long to notice that and that long to explain it to us I don't care She's the best heifer. Okay. It's almost always those situations. Is three the best Barra? Everybody think that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now that one's blade sits in there a little Mm -hmm. different, and I don't like the transition from the base of his skull to his neck, and that blade needs to handle, and his front pastures are just too darn soggy for me. That's not what I ask you. That's great. Everybody write that down. Kids need to talk about that and reasons. Is he the best hog? If he's the best hog, run him up. Okay. Committees need to do that kind of stuff. And if you're an evaluator, and this is the danger in trying to guess, mm-hmm. because there may be that one person in the committee that thinks like that, but probably they're not going to win out. Yep. 90% of the time, they're not going to win out. And they're still going to start the best hog. And so if you look at that and you go, well, I know so-and-so, when he judged Expo last summer, went off on a tangent about pasterns and he's on the committee today and boy that bear I love him but he's just too far down he's pasterns I better roll him to the bottom pair guess what you're going to take a simple bust you're going to take a slide yep because you didn't do what the big picture was big picture is he's the best one and so keep yourself out of trouble and see the best picture the other thing and I like this one and I'll explain it a little bit find the lowest common denominator and I alluded to that at the beginning if I walk into a class mat of steers and i say okay and I, I look at my first line know what i know know what i don't know here's what i know about steers muscle balance and finish okay they've got to have enough product they've got enough have enough fat to grade choice and i'd like quality cattle that do that yep. something that's got some balance notice how i didn't i'm not going to go on a tangent here you know me i get on a soapbox notice how i didn't throw structure in that top three not yet anyway Here's why. And I I cover your ears. Here's my rules on steers. If he can get from where he eats to where he sleeps, where he sleeps to where he drinks, back again at 1,450 pounds, he is sound enough. And I Mm -hmm. would stand and get red in the face and argue with anybody that tells me skeleton in a feedlot situation or a 1,400-pound steer is make or break. Now, unless he is
1: soundered, and yeah, unless the it is inhibits his the mobility
0: field. to where he can't do those things anymore. Let's go sort the other stuff first, because those other things are what we get paid on. No, I've no. never sat down at Ruth's Chris and said, "I'll have the ribeye," but only if he had a good <laughs> hawk placement. Man, I want a Kansas City strip, but only if it come out of a steer that didn't pop his pastures. No, I want a steer that develops a big loin eye area with a ton of marbling and that's my first priorities okay don't get me wrong I'm not saying skeleton never matters I'm saying skeleton is not in the top three things if we're looking at steers to begin with I could so, you, so let me expand on that a little bit and i use steers as that example know what the common denominators are muscle balance and finish that's what I know so I'm gonna read those four steers real quick I'm not going to spend 20 minutes I'm gonna say fat enough fat enough fat enough not fat enough cool Okay. Heavy muscle enough, not heavy muscle enough, heavy muscle enough, not heavy muscle. I start looking at what I'm dealt. Okay. But if I walk into a class and I go, fat enough, fat enough, fat enough, heavy muscle enough, heavy muscle enough, heavy muscle enough, heavy. If those bases are covered, I gotta go find the thing that sorts them. Mm
1: -hmm. Because
0: fat in that scenario isn't doing it. Muscle or product in that scenario is not doing it. So maybe balance does it. And if balance starts doing it, that's when I start getting keyed into skeleton a little bit. Because guess yep. what makes them bad balance pretty quick? A skeleton yep. that's out of whack. And so then I start looking at how they're built. And maybe skeleton is the thing that places that class. But not until I've covered those other bases and it becomes the lowest common denominator. I look for the things that sorts them. I want to talk all that stuff. I want to talk all that cool stuff. But to get them sorted, I got to find what actually sorts them. It may not be quality. If I'm judging in Kansas City, I'm going to say that most of those bears, now granted, I'm I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I don't raise them bears. I have nothing to do with them bears other than feeding them for three or four days. But there's a reason that they look the way they look. It's because we buy high-quality bears. We don't buy junkers. We buy good ones. So when you're delta class in Kansas City of market hogs, quality probably doesn't sort that class. Mm -hmm. it's going to have to be something else, skeleton, muscle, degree of finish. Something else is going to sort them. If I'm going to Denver, which just happened on the 4-H and FFA side, collegiate contest just happened. And I see a set of actual feedlot steers. Guess what? I go right back to the argument, muscle balance and finish. They're not fit up. I don't care who's, who's the hairiest. I probably care a little less about Hawk and pastern and, blade angle and start caring a little more about who's going to grade choice, who's going to hang the heaviest carcass, who's going to have the biggest loin eye and which one does it in a, in a good cattle package, mm-hmm. something that's got some balance, some look. And so find that lowest common denominator. That's going to help you sort that class and start there. You'll get confused a lot less. If you start off looking at toe spread, start off looking at yep. which one, it, you know, is the shiniest. You might get a straight um sort the good ones up and the bad ones down sounds pretty simple It's because it is it um, is know what a good and that and that's the big thing about that statement is that's what takes the leg work before you get to a contest you need to train your eye and get that visual picture in your head and you can do that a million places gosh mm-hmm. guys social media and it, we've talked about this before livestock evaluation evaluation is another one of those things where it's never been easier to train that than it is today because there's never been the amount of resources that there is today.
1: You could, you are hitting nail on the head. And here's the thing, like just keep it simple. You want them wide or narrow? Do you want them to have good look and and presence in the show ring? Or do you want to have them jammed up and core shouldered and things like that? You know, if you just keep things pretty simple there, Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times you're gonna be you're gonna be sorting the good ones up and the bad ones down.
0: That's right. Know what the good ones look like, know what bad livestock looks like, train your brain to find those things. And if you can do that, boy, there's half the battle right there because you walk into a class and you go, Well, this one ain't very good. They may have that one rock star piece, but it looks like they were assembled by committee. That piece don't fit. Nothing else around it is good enough. And then you look over here at this one and go, this is just pretty good livestock. Guess where that one goes? Probably in the top pair. Yep. Okay. Know how to tell the difference between a good one and a bad one. And when you get your boots on the floor in the judging contest, sort the good ones up and the bad ones down. And usually you're not too far out of whack. This is one that I guess is, is a little more in-depth and a little more specific. Because the one question, once we get a little basis of knowledge or we get a little further into it, my kids would always come back and say, what do I do? These are all real good. These are all real good or more commonly for the level that we were judging at early on at some of the. And Matt, you can attest to this. You go to some of those practice contests in Missouri. The common thing was they get back on the bus and go, them things all suck. They're yeah. all bad. What do I do? They're all junk. What do I do? Well, first of all, they're not all junk. There's something in there we can find that's a positive about all of them probably is the quality lower than what our expectations would like it to be. Sure. Probably it is, but here's a little thing I used to tell people. Okay. Because they'd say, I I stood there the whole time and I just finally just bubbled a placing because I didn't have any idea. Well, number one, that made me want to break a clipboard over somebody's head, which is a kind of a Bob Knight way of coaching. And I, I hear that it's not popular anymore, but Because you know enough to mark to get closer than that. But secondly, well, let's fix that. In a class where quality is on a level playing field, real good or real bad, go through, look at the. And I always used to tell people, and I heard a guy used to talk about, I don't know if you remember it. um, We used to have the Missouri Judging and Grading Day. Yes. And Corbett Wall would come in and he would talk about how to look at fat cattle and how to grade fat cattle. And that was usually when most of the kids zoned out and the ag teachers were farting around getting coffee. But I was my favorite part of the whole deal because I loved his delivery. I loved how he talked and I loved the things he said. And it always stuck with me and it's how I, I kind of stole that a little bit and would tell kids, imagine every animal's got a basket. Okay. Yeah. Out in front of them. Okay, this one's big topped. Put that in his basket. This one's good skeleton. Put that in his basket. This one's real sleek necked and 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 real high ability. Put that in his basket. Okay. Well, then at the end of that process, whose basket's the fullest? Whose basket's got the most stuff in it? Okay. And so I say that to say this. What you're really doing there is you're going animal by animal, looking at them individually and start making an argument for that animal to win that class. Mm-hmm. In your head, he can win because X, Y, Z. Okay. The one that you struggle, because at this point, we don't even know how, we don't have a starting point. We don't know who to start, who to bottom, where it goes. This is one of those scenarios, I'm completely fried on why I'm going to bubble my Scantron or mark my card. Start making an argument. The one that you struggle to make an argument for goes last. Start there. Bottom that one. Yes. Well, this one's got, he, he's good skeleton. Okay, but he's also the lightest muscle. He's also the narrowest made. He's also the most devoid of finish. He's also the worst balanced. He's also the smallest, pounds lightest. Guess what? I don't care how good he walks. Ain't nothing about him matters beyond that. Get that one out of the equation and start the process again and start whittling away at it and chip slowly. It may take you all 10 minutes or 12 minutes, but you'll get there. Are you going to be right? Maybe not. Guess what? I bet you're closer than just throwing a dart. And that's I'll what I always ask those over. kids. I
1: always ask those kids, like, why'd you put that one up? Like, and that's it. Like, can I see your? Can I? Can I, can I see your paper? Mm-hmm. Well, and then they'll have a lot of things written about two or three, but they put mm-hmm. one first. They don't have anything written about nothing.
0: One. He's he's I, the black. And spirit. I was like,
1: well, what what factors made you put him in Sword and box? Well, I I don't know. I I, j- I just got flustered. I
0: yeah, got fl- oh, I guessed. I, guess. I, I, I just you I
1: know. hey, just slow it down, think about it, read your paper, read what you said, and then go with well, go with your gut. Nine times out of ten, your gut's gonna be right.
0: That's right. And and what you're talking about, what well, what we're talking about here is is throwing a dart, and judging. Yeah. Which is completely different than what we talked about earlier, which is don't outsmart yourself, where you actually know so much you're getting in your own way this is the other it's just as much of a mental block and a problem but it's at the complete opposite end of the spectrum we've convinced ourselves we don't know enough and we give up Mm -hmm.
1: well that brings me to my your last one and you aren't going to 50 every class that's okay avoid the big cuts that's right this is the hardest thing for me to train younger kids because everybody wants a 50. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to nail that class. Everybody wants to mark 50 on their deal. How many 50s did you get? Four. Yeah. I couldn't care less how many. Oh, 50s. me
0: either. Let's, me let's either.
1: worry about the, the 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 drop score right there. Let's worry about how much you dropped. The reason I say that is a few years ago, many years ago, I had a girl that had one unbelievable day. She had seven classes at the Missouri State Contest, and she did not get 150. But she got a 49, 4.48s, a 47. And all of a sudden, her day looked pretty dang good. Mm -hmm. Okay? So if you're dropping that lowest cut every time, that is okay. You're still seeing a subjective contest. That's right. Very well. Especially if you're getting those lowest cuts. Don't worry about getting a 50. 50s are cool. I get it. Yep. But, man, worry about getting close. More about not buts and things. What I tell kids is this. If you get an A on the contest, if you get a 90% on the contest, you are going to be up there. Mm-hmm. So if everything put together between keep coal, between your classes, between your judging, if it all averages a 90% to a 93%, you're home. If you yep. can get a 45, 46 average, you're home on the day. And you're going to win that thing.
0: Yep. I agree 100% Matt. And we've all got our analogies and this is how he's explained it to kids because you and I, nobody would probably know it by looking at us today. You and I both play baseball, like baseball. Mm -hmm. And, and I would explain it to my kids like this. Fifties are like home runs. Mm -hmm. They're cool. Everybody gets excited about them, but they're for the fans. They don't win ball games. What wins ball games is getting up to the plate hitting a grounder, putting the ball in in play, and getting on base. And that's that low drop evaluation mentality. Because in baseball, you show me the guy that leads the team in home runs, and I'll show you the same guy who leads the team in strikeouts. For sure. Because if you're swinging for the fence every time, you're going to miss a whole bunch. Now, when it goes, it's going to go. But you're going to miss a heck of a lot. Show me the guy that's got your best batting average, and he's the guy that hits a line drive, Gets on first every time, bats somebody in. And that's what low drop evaluation does for you. Like I said, it's kind of a – it's not spectacular because we're not 50 and everything, but it puts the ball in play. It keeps things in your court. It keeps you competitive. And then you, you're you talking or, – or for our – you know, if you're an ag teacher in Texas, your questions, which, man, I don't envy it. I, I can't imagine having to try to win it on I questions. Either. Um, you have to have stock kids. Oh, my gosh. The amount of knowledge that you have to have for those tests and those questions is vast. Um, but what I would tell everybody is that I would a lot rather have a kid come back at the end of the day and show me a, a list of classes. And it's 47, 48, 48, 48, 46, 47, 49, then 50, 50, 50, 50, 50 17, 50, yep. 50, 21, 50, 50, yep. 33. Because I can tell you who drops less points in that scenario. Yep and who keeps us viable as a team, and who may have cost us the contest. Because here's the other thing. You hit a whole bunch of home runs. That's awesome. High five. What happens if those three clashes you busted are the three clashes you got to go talk? Guess what just happened to your reasons? They just took a big dump, too.
1: <laughs>
0: so don't put yourself in that position. I'd a lot rather go be 48s across the board and go talk a 48 in the room and talk that talk the heck out of that middle pair two-point switch that was real close, then 50 everything, and then now I gotta go talk a 27, where I bottomed the first place steer and called him kind of a wretched, narrow, flat piece of crap. Because well, guess what I, your score is gonna be? Not very A
1: long time ago, we would go up to the National Bear Show in Austin, Minnesota. Spam Sweet. capital of the world, baby. Yep, you betcha. And and 1990- we're talking about
0: the spam you eat not yes somebody spamming you not the russian spam that's right
1: my dad took us up there in the school lincoln vehicle halfway through halfway up there the air suspension goes out and it is just a bumpy ride it is awful (laughs) like we felt everybody you couldn't even sleep in there because like you would hit bumps and it would just drill you. You couldn't do your homework because you couldn't write. It was awful. Well, we get up there and uh, we're, we're thinking about this and they have all those belt buckles laid out. Mm -hmm. Everybody's just, Oh, I want one of those belt buckles. Top 10 would be so great. First six classes. I get fifties on seventh class got 48. I'm feeling as good as I possibly can. The last class comes in, I look at it, I'll be honest with you, go with my first impression, I think I just won this sucker. Kim Brock comes on the microphone, talks about how you have to find this one, how you have to just go with this one, ride this one to the top. It was the barrel I put last. I got a 12 on that class and got 12th overall out of 400 kids, and I felt about this small. Yeah, and yep. oh talk about just punching you in the gut guys you can't get a 12 you can't get no. a 12 and it just you you have to be consistent you gotta think it through and uh you you gotta do those things and i can still picture this barrow that was a time where we wanted real lean hogs and they couldn't get lean enough couldn't get lean enough well, this barrel looked like a 2023 version. He was the biggest. He was the Which wildest. would not have
0: been super popular in that era. Nope.
1: He was the biggest. He was the wise. He had the most product. He had the most rib shape. He had the most volume. He was everything. But he was not higher cutability than what we're used to. Yep. And I threw him to the bottom. And, boy, he probably filled up the biggest basket. And mm-hmm. If I would have understood that and I would have done that, I would have been having a belt buckle today. Instead, those of are those deals.
0: They'll kind of haunt you a little bit. And you know, over the years, you have and I've had a chance to work with a lot of kids and and start them from scratch, essentially, and take them through you know, kind of their judging journey. And both of us have had kids that, including my daughter, um, that go on to judge collegiately. Uh, in junior college or senior college. And I can tell you, the common theme is that low drop evaluation, not no drop, but low drop evaluation tends to put you on the right side of a good day more often than not and set you up for putting how you end up in your own hands in terms of going in the reasons room and doing the best you can do. Hey, Not everybody's going to win the reasons room. And I get that. Not every, not every kid is a high level talker, but if you can stay competitive, stay in the hunt off the floor with low drop evaluation, at least you're giving yourself that opportunity to stay viable and competitive in the reasons room. And we could come up with a whole nother episode just about reasons and our philosophies on training and getting kids ready to give reasons and all that stuff. And, and what makes a good set. And I'll be honest, I'd be pumped to talk about that kind of stuff. But tonight we're just talking about how to sort them first through fourth. And I think while there's not a cheat code and there's not an everything always revolves around this one thing. And there's not a thing that works every single time, all the time. I think there is a set of basic rules that sounds like some old hillbilly in North Missouri wrote it that probably keep you on the straight and narrow. Mm -hmm. For sure. Hey,
1: Speaking of straight and narrow and having a good day, let's end this sucker with a great motivational message. And today I have two. I don't know if that's a faux pas. But I have found one from a guy who's choosing to retire. His name is Nick Saban. And talk about, blow my mind. I couldn't believe it, but my Missouri Tiger football team hopes that they – don't necessarily find the next Nick Saban next year because we play them down in Bama. But I like this one a lot. This is our first of two, and I really like this. If you want to make everyone happy, don't be a leader, sell ice cream. I love that one, Matt. And you know, when you think about that, and there's just so many good things with that one, I think uh, it is hard to make everybody happy. Mm -hmm. It's also... I tell students this all the time. I tell people this all the time. Hey, I'm hard on you cuz I care. When I stop getting on to you or I stop asking you to take advantage of this opportunity, boy, that's when you have to worry about me not liking you or or, or not wanting to help you. Because I've given up. You know, it's okay for people to push you. It's okay for parents to push it. you know I push my kids pretty hard sometimes, but I'm also the first person to tell them I love them. I'm the first person to give them hugs. I'm the first person to try to cheer them up when they're down and that's okay. So don't be afraid to be a leader everybody go after it go after
0: your dreams. I love that one Matt. I love it it's one of my very favorite ones if you if you show me somebody that everybody likes and everybody, thinks is doing a great thing they're probably not really doing much because yeah especially in today's world if you're really making a difference not everybody's gonna be your fan they're gonna hate you because they ain't you that's they hate us because they hate us
1: that's right that's a that's another dumb dumb movie that we stumbled upon that's right and the last one this perspective with fairing troubles and things that we deal with There's a please remember that I saw that was a former student put up there that I thought was really good. And it's a chalkboard and it says this, please remember, your job is the dream of the unemployed. Your house is the dream of the homeless. Your smile is the dream of the depressed. Your health is the dream of those who are sick. Beautiful things happen when you are distance yourself from all the negativity. Find oh, something to be grateful for. And I think that's a good way to start us off for the week next week. And hopefully it puts some things in perspective.
0: I love that one too, Matt. What a great message to end on. It's so easy. Being negative is actually the easiest thing in the world to do. And very. Uh, it takes energy. It takes thought. takes a little cerebral function to find the positives in things, no matter how hard they may hide themselves. And what you said is exactly right. And I I look at that all the time. I'm living a life right now, no matter how discouraged, disgruntled, frustrated, ready to quit I am on certain days, that 14-year-old me would have dreamed about having this life. And I think that bringing up the fact that while sometimes we get stuck in the bubble, and we're too close to see it and we lose the forest for the trees a little bit. It's easy to say, woe is me. Things are rough. But if you step back from that and go, look at the blessings I have, look at yep. the good things in my life and how many people don't have those things. Sure. Maybe, maybe we have a family and someone doesn't, maybe, you know, we have a house to live in and someone doesn't, we have a car to drive and somebody's struggling to get to their job or their family. Cause they don't have transportation, you know, It's easy to get to to lose sight of the, for lack of a better word, the blessings that we have in life. And I think if we can just sit back and go, you know what? Things could be a way worse scenario for me. I need to stop and probably cool it with the negativity a little bit.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good way to end it. And uh, guys, everybody, please, this week, when it's cold out there, check on your neighbors check on your friends and most of all be nice all right hey everybody have a great week stay warm you bet we'll see you guys next week